Ladies and gentlemen, we begin the fifth season embarking on All About Reality and no better guest to do so, a returner, Kyle Senra, who's coming to us not only as a guest this time, but also as the champion of our Friends of All About Reality podcast league featuring luminaries from across the industry. Kyle, welcome to the program and Goody, welcome back for season five. Thanks. Can't believe we're in season five. Um, this is an interesting story, and I think let's let's jump right in. I, I mean, I think with Kyle, um, Kyle's been on the pod before, one of the few returners, and so the two victors go to the spoils. Um, so I think Kyle joins a uh, luminous luminaries, I guess, uh, including Matt Waldman and Graham Barfield as as return performers. So welcome, Kyle. Um, let's talk about your worst to first journey in the, in the All About Reality Podcast League. I um, kind of capped off by that late um, Najee Harris touchdown against my against my Browns to seal that game, and it was a very depressing game for me. Um, Browns out of the playoffs and kind of came out flat against the Steelers. So um, a lot a lot of interesting storylines I think with with your team in there. Um, so I, I guess you know, without further ado, why don't you just walk walk us through what that what that looked like? Um, you know, what the twenty one season looked like for you, and what you thought about like come you know the, the different inflection points I think between the rookie draft, what you did in the off season. Um, obviously, you you know I think you finished last in the first in the first year of that season. So why don't why don't we get right into it? Yeah. Well, first off, Luke, Matt, thank you having me on i love the podcast love to talk with you both i both such great people and uh luke particularly in this league a good, a good league mate i know we've made, we've made a couple trades maybe we'll uh reference uh one of them uh in a, in a short order here but yeah uh as matt mentioned first to or worst to first hopefully i don't go back to worst but uh so unfortunately really bad 2020 season um, you know, Christian McCaffrey at this point is still my highest paid player, both in 2020 and 2021. Biggest difference though, is that I had the running back depth in 2021 that when McCaffrey got hurt as he did both seasons, it didn't cripple my team. Like it did in 2020. I just, I, I just couldn't keep up at the running back position at all. So, uh, I guess, you know, needing running back depth is a good place to start because getting, you know, have, you know, the, the, I guess the, the best thing about being worst is having the one-on-one in the rookie draft. And while I, I was maybe tempted, I think I may have even sent an offer to out to trade back a couple spots. Uh, nothing ever materialized. I, I kind of had it set who I wanted at one-on-one. And again, talking about the, maybe the lack of running back depth, knowing it, how difficult it is to acquire, uh, they tend to be a little bit more higher priced in free agency than wide receivers typically. Uh, knowing that, uh, you know, it's a single quarterback league, the, the Friends of Reality. So really having the one-on-one, there, there were really three main options at, at each position, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And I guess anyone might have had different reasons why they'd go Jamar Chase or Najee Harris or Kyle Pitts. But yeah, again, needing running back depth uh, was a, a primary reason for going Harris. I really did like the skill set. Uh, I you know, running backs be the one position I, I I feel like I have the best grasp grasp evaluating uh, the college tape and of the 2021 class, he was my favorite. Uh, he, I had him graded out as the highest. So, you know, first off the board, maybe not the best O line with the Steelers, but thinking he was probably going to get a, a ton of opportunity. 
I don't know that we saw 74 receptions coming, but that was a, a nice bonus as well. Uh, knowing he had the, the pass catching skill set, but just to that level as a rookie was, was pretty impressive. So again, I, I went Najee Harris. Um, I don't know. I guess I, 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 you know, I'm the guest, but I'm going to ask you guys like what you both would have done with the one-on-one in, in RSO. Maybe does that change in a, in a, in a standard dynasty league? If, because uh, even though, Chase did outscore Najee Harris. I believe it was only in, in this scoring set in for the friends reality scoring setting. Anyway, I think it was only about 10 points difference over the course of the whole season. So technically chase was the correct pick, but I still feel pretty happy about Najee Harris, not just what happened this year, but also going forward. But I don't know how you guys would have gone uh, with the one-on-one in that situation. Well, last year was one of those rare years where in, if you characterized those three as your top three, then you were very prescient, right? I think anybody who's sitting on Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase or Najee Harris are happy with their outcome for the season. And, and I, for one, think you made the right call at, at the one precisely because of the game theory that, that Goody and I have talked about a long time, right? It's just, frankly, harder to, to get those top backs during their elite window, and RSO amplifies having them on a rookie contract. It's a little bit like getting a, in the real NFL, getting a an elite quarterback on a rookie contract. It just buys you a lot of cap space to go do, to be flexible, um, which I think you used to, to great effect on Antonio Gibson too, who wasn't like, right. Like he wasn't what you hoped he would be, but it was still playing keep away from other teams that would have had a, a good running back. Had you not spent that money to get him in the auction. So, so I think that um, that's why I, I think you, you really get a, a double bonus in this instance, but I think you couldn't have gone wrong with any of those guys, but uh, especially because you had them tiered that way. Yeah. I, I like, I like the call. How about you, Goody? Um, yeah. I, I like that call too. I, I think that you know, some other things that we talked pre-show you had the 201 obviously also and traded down to, I think 211, you alluded to the fact that I DM'd you during that or something kind of not question that you know i'm just the commissioner in that league I, I don't have any skin in the game other than just pure entertainment i think i sent you a note you traded that two 201 to graham barfield who grabbed rondale moore who i guess he really liked and um you got down to 211 i'm not sure what else what else came in that came in that trade so maybe share with us on that but i think luke and i were pretty through because we the, these rookie drafts i think were pretty late in the season we do the rookie draft in the auction for this league pretty late in the season and luke and i had already been through writers and pod league and seen where those drafts fell and granted those are super flex but like i think we just saw that there was a cliff after a certain point and you went down to 11 which i feared you wouldn't get anybody usable i guess with that and um i mean you did get ramondre stevenson who, who fought a couple games when belichick you know, trusted him and and um damian harris wasn't as banged up wasn't as banged up so um kind of talk talk to us through that and i think also you know the the low cap in in, in 2021 forced you to make some difficult decision I think also in the offseason maybe with so with cutting some play cutting some players so I think you know it, it wasn't just one move that that got you there and so like we'll we'll talk about that journey on the way but let's at least lead up to the point where we even got to the auction yeah because uh Luke you've already re you referenced something really good with Najee Harris just the idea that 
you, you are looking at these rookies really, and I, I do as a four-year basis, right? Like you have a really cost control rookie contract. I mean, and if they're a good enough player, you extend them or, or tag them or, or, you know, fifth year option, if they're a first round pick, whatever it takes. And at that point, you know, you pay the cost if they're a good enough player, but the, the true advantage, the, the true difference making potential of, of these rookies is on that rookie contract. So again, back to the running back wide receiver argument, if I know I want the difference maker over the first four years and maybe didn't expect Chase to, smash as, as hard as he did year one so it, maybe it's a moot point that over the next four years he'll outscore Najee Harris anyway but it was really looking at that that four-year window and and again maybe that does give to my hesitation at the 201 to to draft a receiver because you know to Graham Barfield's credit I was probably going to go Rondale Moore if I was forced to stick like he was he was the next guy on the board I believe Elijah Moore was off the the board and it was kind of like him and hauling between those two maybe if Elijah was there I might have stuck and, and just made the pick I was a little hesitant on Rondale, I suppose. And I don't know, I, I, I guess back to my tape evaluation on the running backs from Andre Stevenson, I believe was before the draft, just, just purely on my tape evaluation. I think my running back four, like I, I really liked what he had as a skill set. So I was maybe not, maybe not banking on him in particular, but knowing that, okay, there's a few running backs I like. I really liked Michael Carter as well. Did 211 was probably a stretch for him to fall there, but. I kind of maybe banked more on the, again, those running backs over the lifespan of the four-year contract, as opposed to a receiver like Rondale. And I mean, so far, again, I guess with both decisions going the running back over the receiver, I I kind of really like what I've done. Uh, I got, so it it was straight up just getting the 211 and the 311. Now 311, I took two, two at, well, I've already released off my team. So that's inconsequential. I, I, I'm sure Elijah Mitchell was available. There were better third round picks to make than two, two Atwell. So I didn't necessarily maximize the trade there, but I, I still felt, felt Stevenson was a good pick, but ultimately I ended up collecting, I believe five picks in the last 14. So starting at that two eleven, went Ramondre Stevenson. I had Nico Collins at the three Oh one, which is my natural pick. Uh, then a couple other trades. So I traded to get the three Oh four. I'll get to that in a sec. Uh, Chuba Hubbard was the pick, which again, knowing I had Christian McCaffrey that the natural handcuff, but even without McCaffrey probably would have been the pick anyway, just to, again, those running backs, right. Even if I don't have McCaffrey I could still get use Hubbard. If McCaffrey got hurt or, you know, as a trade chip, uh, then three ten as well. I had a, which I think is your pick Luke. So I think uh, that was a trade you and I made. Uh, I picked Anthony Schwartz and then again, two, two out. Well, three eleven. If I remember that trade correctly, Luke, I think it was, me giving you Matt Ryan on a, I guess a $1.2 million contract and you giving me Kirk cousins on like a $4 million contract and the third, right. I think that was just for your way to, to save cap space. And for myself, I was, I was just, I felt I was just going to cut cousins anyway. So I'll take an extra third just to take on an extra, I guess would be like a million dollars of cap space. So that was kind of the thinking on that trade. I think both happy with the way it worked out. And I, I think so very much. And you characterized the trade correctly. Um, and it speaks to, uh, I think this is a good thing for all of our listeners and all the GMs in the off season. This is actually kind of a point of difference between Goody and I, and, and I think for between you and I now, Kyle, is I'm reticent to hold on to my third round picks. And I've, I've talked to it to some degree to Matt about it before, but Kyle, I want to say it to you too. I try to evaluate, uh, my capacity to, to judge rookies and I often think that that roster spot is better spent uh, in the auction for me, uh, usually, I found. And so, so that's part of my analysis, right? Like, I am a little bit more free-handed, open-handed with my third-round picks to, in, in trades, especially if they're just facilitating, like, 
one or two million dollar cap dumps like like we did together, right? I look at Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins as pretty comparable in terms of fantasy output. And so, um, so you, either of you can speak to that for a minute. Am I am I underestimating this? Like I'm not taking swings in the third round typically. I, I'm very reticent to do so because of the cost of the uh, not because of the player cost, but because of the cop the cost of the roster spot. So either one of you can speak to that. But I, I you characterize the the trade well and we were both happy with how it turned out so yeah yeah i i'll i'll hop in there i i think i think i actually agree with you most of the time on the third round unless it's like a, a deep draft I, I mean i'm hesitant to get rid of picks when i've traded all my other assets to get like picks like in a or to get a player like in a, in a super flex league and all i have left third rounders and somebody's coming at me at the trade deadline and trying to take the take away my psychology of having any picks in the upcoming draft. Cause I think it's important to be like in the game most of them, unless you're really going for broke in the championship and, and that somehow is, is what gets you there. But um, I, last year we talked about it kind of after that, we talked about ad nauseum at the podcast. Once we got to the Michael Carter part of the round of the second round and he had he had ascended and, and maybe there's a couple others in a, in a super flex maybe like the pat fryer's smooth types like we didn't think there was much left after toward the end of the second round once he got past like those guys like then rondale moore maybe terrace marshall at the time who you know had a pretty poor rookie season so i mean you know kudos to kyle for having you know faith and needing the handcuff with mccaffrey which that kind of kind of came in handy that you know Chuba hubbard was serviceable and this not being a super fun i think one of the other things that you know kind of goes without saying in this is that you mentioned earlier is having uh, having a transcending quarterback on a rookie contract and kyle has that and justin Herbert. I think certainly help matters this year too. You combine the cheap contract of Justin Herbert you can, with the with the 101 pick of Najee Harris, who you know was pretty good from a PPR lens. Also, this being a one quarterback league, I think freed up the kind of teeter totter effect of you know some of the big contracts he was carrying and players who who you know frankly either either played injured or got injured and didn't play. So. You know, we're talking $40, $40 million for Antonio Gibson, $40 million, you know, plus for Christian McCaffrey. And then you're Michael Thomas, who didn't play down all season, $33 million in 21. So those those three made up, you know, $110 million, give or take, of $180 million cap. And, and Kyle still found a way to, to win. So, like, we're, you know, we're talking through, through this journey. So, um I think we, we've talked about the rookie draft and a couple off-season moves, but lead us up to the now, Kyle, I'm not sure if you made any other seminal trades before that or then what your strategy was in the auction against, you know, stiff competition and in a second year where, where player availability wasn't that much. And we didn't really talk. I think Antonio Gibson was the prize piece of the auction call. So um, let, let's let's kind of flash back to, to action yeah and i think you know i would say it's pretty consensus that gibson was the 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 prize piece and i believe the next highest contract one in the auction was chase claypool and i i like i don't think his average salary got up to 20 million so we're talking less than half of what 
Gibson made. So I think very clear tier of who was the best player and then probably who was the second best player. I thought it was pretty easily Claypool was the next best and that even another tier gap after that. Uh, maybe maybe Justin Herbert, even though it's a single quarterback league, knowing that again the friends of reality using the the you know points per completion, there's a heavy scoring kind of leading towards the quarterback. So kind of viewed Herbert as really the third best player in free agency, even though it's a, a one quarterback league. Uh, but knowing that, I guess the one thing in 2020, while I didn't have great depth, I also set myself up to not fail completely in 2021 because I had a lot of one year contracts. So I had. I believe entering the, the 2021 year, I had, I think, the second or third most cap space. But it was a big gap between myself and Sal Lito, who had the most. And, and I think at, at one point, it was close to a, like a $50 million gap. And I thought that's, I mean, that's more than what Gibson's contract was, right? So I knew if, if I wanted Antonio Gibson, Sal was probably, gonna, you know, at that point, Sal could bid whatever he wanted, and, and I wouldn't be able to keep up. So I, I had to kind of, you know, and the game theory of making trades, and in you know, a salary cap and contract league, it's it's the value of the contracts and the, and the amount of money you're moving around and where that contract and those that money gets put is really important. So I sort of set myself up to say, I want to I want to make trades with Sal. I, w- I want Sal to take on a contract. I want to make him a trade that I know he's going to accept. That's going to save me a, a lot of money. And so, uh, you know, going back to the 2020 season, I ended up having a, a similar problem to what you were referencing, Matt, where I had, I think, of my five most expensive players. Uh, like four of them were on injured reserve at some point in the season. I believe that the top three would have been McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, and Cortland Sutton, who tore his ACL in 2020. I think I got 11 games combined out of those three. And I think that their salary was about 80 million combined. Like it may be more than that. So it was, it, it was a massive problem. And I kind of wanted Cortland Sutton's contract off, off the books. So I figure at that point, even coming off the torn ACL, he was probably worth a second in most dynasty leagues. You know, maybe you wouldn't get that in every league, but you'd probably not every manager, but would give you that. But most in your league, you'd probably be able to find one manager willing to do that at least. So my thinking was if I send Sal Cortland Sutton for a third, he'll probably smash, accept that thinking he's, he's valued as a second and I'll, I'll get an extra rookie pick. I don't really care. And again, I, I already showed, I don't really care about that. That I guess would have been Sal would have been the two Oh four. I didn't really care about that range anyway. So to get the third and still get Chuba Hubbard out of it, I thought was pretty good, but it was all about moving the $13 million off of my salary and onto Sal's, which basically ends up making a, a $26 million difference between us, right? Instead of being, it almost made up half the difference that we had just making that one trade. So that was one where if I had shopped Cortland Sutton around the league, like Luke, I don't know if like, I guess maybe it depends on cap space, of course, but if I had sent you Sutton for a second, would you have made that thought about it? Like at least considered it? Well, this is where you and I are good trade partners because we have similar valuations of, of roster and uh, going into the auction. I was looking at it very similar to you. I was actually trying to fit like looking around and seeing how big a stack Sal had, I was like, I need to trade for players I'm interested in filling roster spots before the auction because I'm not going to be able to get the the two that I'm interested in, in Chase Claypool and Antonio Gibson. So uh, for the same rationale, we would have we would have been chasing each other's tail a little bit. I would have I would have been like, no, I don't want that salary because I'm looking to keep that salary open to ultimately I, I ended up I, trading with Bob Lung. I moved. Mike Evans and I moved Odell Beckham on pretty substantial contracts for a massive one in Saquon Barkley and a tiny one in Darren Waller because I had good receivers to backfill those slots. And so that's why 
I was just like, I need to fill a tight end spot and a running back spot with difference makers. And it, it didn't work out as I totally as I had hoped, but I still would do that, I think, process wise every year, to be honest. But so because of your process, I, I was the same way. I was like, hmm, I'm, I'm not really looking to take on wide receivers in my situation, but I, I think your evaluation is right. A lot of people were, and especially in a in an analyst league, you're going to get that bump too, where analysts kind of by natural dynasty predisposition value um, wide receivers more than the casual fan too. So. And I remember when we did our, our live uh, recording of the auction last year, uh, Sal kind of forgot about the trade. It seemed like he couldn't remember why he didn't have his third. And then I think one of us revealed, oh, yeah, you, you got Cortland Sutton for it. And he was ecstatic, right? So even even still taking that bump, and even this is after the the fact of the auction, knowing that he didn't win Gibson, he was still okay with it, right? So maybe the, I left meat on the bone, but the trade accomplished exactly what I wanted to do. It was more about the cap space than the return. So I think that's something to kind of prioritize going into an auction. How do I save money? I don't even care what I get back in terms of these trades. I know like Luke, you, you'll say you're willing to give up draft picks to take, to move salary off, off your roster. And I, I wanted to accumulate picks as a way to kind of help myself in the auction. I want more cheap contracts. So I have less roster spots to fill. I think that was kind of the advantage that I had, even though like the moves I made to save this cap space, Sal still had more than me going into the auction, but it was close enough. And I believe he had more roster spots to fill. So I knew that I could kind of spend big on Gibson, put whatever, almost whatever it took. And then I could I only had a few other spots to really fill in with, with close to minimum uh, contract players. So I, I right. like a number of contracts I have in the, in the cheap ones helped that as well. So that's why I, I went so hard after getting so many third round picks, to be honest. Yeah. And that's really interesting. I mean, I'm kind of nerding out going back in the, the league history here. And, and speaking of league history, I mean, you, you went 2-11 and in, in, in 2020 to 10-4 and four in 2021. Uh, with the league history, uh, it, for those of you who have rolled over your league already and um, couldn't, you, you know, couldn't wait for the guacamole that came with your meal, as I alluded to, um, which is good. Like, I mean, there's a promo code to give on the at the end of this pod, but it's still you know still able to use the one that Stephen put they put in the email the other day so it's it's a little more savings today but uh, Kyle has um English has put some pretty nice history features in in the rollover of the league now where you can see what your highest point total is going back you know highest and lowest point totals like what your record has been by year some other things so I mean something that already existed was the draft and the auction board and and I misspoke a little bit earlier on this pod I forgot that we didn't have a rookie draft typically leagues that I'm involved in don't do a rookie draft in year one just to make the auction a little more enticing and give everyone a level playing field to get exposure to whichever players they want as opposed to some type of luck of the draw of where you draw in rookie picks I encourage others to do the same in their in their first year even though the rookie draft is indeed fun I misspoke and said that Justin Herbert was a rookie pick in actuality you you paid up for Justin Herbert in 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 the auction this past year and and I use paid up in air quotes a little bit I think this is kind of a late round quarterback disciple type league you paid four years 20.5 million total which I think was the highest quarterback contract given in in this league in that in that year and what equated to the second after the big bid for Antonio Gibson four years 186 million which was you know the kind of the big auction battle I would say of, of all the players you kind of slid in nicely and got Herbert on 
what was the most expensive contract. I mean, if you look at it, Aaron Rodgers got two years, $2 million. So like, this is clearly like a late round quarterback, one quarterback league thing, but you, you clearly valued her having Herbert on, on your team um, at, at, you know, a benchmark of like what a, a typical rookie contract looks like. So, and um, I mean, you, like to your point, you only had like, I think you only had to grab like eight players in the auction and, and Gibson and Herbert where you spent your money. And then you got, you know, you, you made a pretty savvy pick that a, a lot of people benefited from this year and James Conner for two years and, and three and a half million. So talk us through why Herbert was, was your guy. I, I mean, you could have like, even if you decided you wanted to go even cheaper in this league than that, like there was like the Ryan Tan Tannehill's one year, 5 million, like Hertz went three years, 7 million, Kirk Cousins, two years, 2 million to Luke. Like, I mean, that there was certainly in Tannehill one year, 5 million. So like I, th there was some strategy and some strategic thinking in that as well um, with Herbert. So just kind of want to hear about what, you know, that auc the auction looked like for you in that vein. And Kyle, before yeah. you hop in here, this sure. is the one that I really have to laud, right? I, I think this is Kyle doing a better job of analyzing the scoring setting than most of us in the league, because I was thrilled with the cheap Jalen Hurts contract. He was someone that I was big on and he benefited me a lot more in other leagues than this one. He was only a 500 point score in this one. And that's a substantial difference between the output between Hertz and Justin Herbert because of the completion percentage, right? Like it, this, these league settings no longer privilege the Konami code in the way that a typical league setting would. Like you have like Matt Stafford as a top five scorer. You have Kirk Cousins even higher in the top 10 than he usually like is, right? Like he's, I think he was 11 in standard scoring leagues this year, right? So yeah, man, uh, I got to give Kyle some love here. That was a savvy move because that's a guy you're going to have on contract. And, and he is somehow, as you said, Matt, with like the late round disciples, he's still somehow, uh, only like, I mean, I don't even think he cracks the top 10, if so, barely so for quarterback contracts in our league at 5 million, you know, like so. And um, and the, the top two are Jackson and Mahomes. And and I think, and Herbert far outperformed Jackson's here. So not um, to be confused with Jackson Mahomes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no Herbert also vastly guy. outperformed Jackson Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. That guy, we all outperformed Jackson Mahomes yeah, this year. That, that's so. true. Yep, Kyle, what's up, man? So go for it. Yeah, my, my compliments on that one. Oh, th thank you. And I think, like, like to Matt's point, actually, about the cheap quarterback contracts, I also played a bit of keep away, and I can't remember if it was in the auction or if it was shortly after week one just to get, you know, knowing that, okay, Herbert's got to buy a week, and eventually I'm going to have to have another quarterback. I picked up Derek Carr for league minimum, and I held him, I think, right until week six, uh, week 17, and then I dropped him then just needing, knowing, you know, my opponent, uh, I won't spoil who it was, but uh, someone you already mentioned before in the final, uh, but uh, wasn't good. They had a, you know, the quarterback situation was set. I was worried about them picking up Carr used against me. And at that point, Carr wasn't really performing well. I almost would have encouraged that. Yeah, pick up Carr and play him against me, sure. But I think ha having him really cheaply for the, the, you know, the course of the year, just as a, even if I only used him once, right, just having him on the team so that other players couldn't have him because Carr was someone who would have benefited from the scoring setting especially early on and I think again I had him probably right after right after week one I made up some key picks week one kind of for the the league minimum and I, and I guess I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more but just to start there at quarterback like right like it is so cheap to get them and 
And yet, so I wasn't sure, like, especially knowing how much I spent on Gibson, I wasn't sure if I was going to win Herbert. I figured, okay, I'll try. But knowing that I didn't have too much to spare, like I probably couldn't have gone much higher over the, I guess his cap it last year was 5 million. I probably couldn't have afforded to go too much higher over that. So I don't know, maybe I would have pushed it to about 7 million, close to about like a, I guess what Najee Harris's rookie contract is essentially like that. I would have been probably okay willing to pay that. Uh, but not too much more. So it was it was kind of a sweet spot where it was a little bit more than what others were willing to pay, but still, I was still comfortable like, and could still make moves like getting the James Conner pick, which uh, pretty cheap. And again, I, you know, th- thanks, Goody, for calling it the savvy move. Because I actually thought that was pretty smart going on the two-year contract with Conner in case he hit this year, his value would increase. And now he's not in the auction available for anyone else to grab him. And I've got him at a pretty cost-control pick. If he were in the auction this year, he'd probably go for much higher than the, I guess salary this year is just going to right around 2 million, just under 2 million. I think he'd probably go for much higher than that. So now I've got a a chip that's value wise cheaper. Maybe it's a trade chip, or maybe I I just know that I have that. It's again, part of that running back depth, right? Like instead of having, I think it would have been in 2020, once McAfee went down, I think I had just Devin Singletary and I was trying to backfill I maybe picked up Adrian Peterson with whatever team he was on whatever like just so desperate and then this year McCaffrey goes down well I've got Najee Harris I've got Antonio Gibson I still had Devin Singletary for a bit and then James Conner was basically an every week starter for me I'm pretty sure I had him in the lineup every week and I think I, I had Connor and Singletary to a certain extent in a, in a ton of leagues like I th- believe those are my two most rostered players entering 2021 and I'm ca- talking all formats so RSO contract salary dynasty redraft all together those were two running backs I, I really focused on so it's probably not a, a strange coincidence that I ended up having both on my roster uh in in the friends of reality league but uh yeah so I think I, I, I kind of had Connor probably a little, probably higher up than most. So obviously was willing to, you know, just, just over a million and a half per year was, a, was more than really anyone else was willing to, to pay. So, uh, you know, I, lucky that he was so cheap, but my process of, of being in on Connor, especially over Chase Edmonds kind of flat out regardless of price, but certainly at a much cheaper price. Uh, I, it, it's not necessarily luck. Like I really did target those guys. So, I, I like the fact that I could kind of went into this auction with a plan and, and I thought I executed about as good as I could have. I don't think there was really any way to get both Gibson and Claypool. So that was one where I really had to obviously preferred Gibson. So I'm happy with the way that turned out, but really there's one other move I made to, to save myself significant cap. And it's, it's with Michael Thomas, maybe some luck on when the, the news hit of, Oh, in June, he's, he's getting another surgery and who knows he might not play this year. I kind of took that as, you know, I, I very much on the, on the, the side of, yeah, I, I think there's a very strong chance he doesn't play. So I was willing to put him on the injured reserve. And if you do that before the auction, it, it you still save half of the cap space. Like you would, if you did during the season. So, uh, and that you was, don't have, and the roster and that roster spots already filled. So then it, it, it against less roster spots basically. And exactly. And I was at a point where I, I was happy to, to not have too many roster spots to fill and go after specific players. So it actually almost worked as an advantage in that it, it doesn't, I didn't have to fill that extra spot either. So that was the, the almost the, the advantage of uh, the, the way the system works there um, for that. So that ended up saving what I guess, like 16 million. Um, so, so if you, if you take just the, just the Cortland Sutton trading away, Cortland Sutton releasing Michael Thomas, that's almost 30 million cap savings just with two moves. Right. So I think, just to kind of t- talk to everyone, it's possible to make these cap saving types of moves. You can do them in different creative ways. Again, sometimes it's trade. Sometimes it's, you know, I considered cutting Thomas as well. Uh, 
thinking, okay, cut him and get him cheaper in the auction. But the fact that he still had like 2021, 22 and 23, it, it does kind of mess with the 2022 cap to, to cut him so early. So that's why I thought, okay, injured reserve and I'll deal with it now this offseason. Now I kind of have to still deal with that Michael Thomas issue. Uh, he's still the most expensive receiver contract wise and, and by a significant margin. So it's not a great contract to trade. Probably looking to, to do that though. But uh, maybe I'm giving Luke a bit of a strategy <laughs> into in, in my input here. But, uh, you know, I'm oh, so probably worried. I'll use I'm, it against you. Anything you say in the podcast is fair game for. Yeah. Luke to take advantage of as I've, as I've learned rampantly no but, but it's all about giving the listeners the best advice so like no, Thomas is course. someone that if I don't get the trade that I like if I can't you know probably it's probably gonna be something similar to Sutton where I'm gonna shop him out and hope someone's willing to do it for a third someone sees oh, Michael Thomas for a third and they kind of ignore the the massive cap hit and just view that value I'm kind of hoping for that and if it doesn't happen I'm probably okay just cutting him and seeing what happens in the auction so um so you know Luke, you might get an offer of Michael Thomas for a third, but you know that, uh, you know, I don't think I have to take this and I could still get maybe Thomas in the auction. So uh, giving a bit of insight there, but uh, we'll see. I think, uh, well, to that end, I was going to ask you, and, and Goody, do you have any questions about this season? Kyle ends up champion, has a great run, as you said, yeah, last just, second, Najee Harris, because I do want to flip the page for our listeners. Yeah. Because Kyle and I are sitting now at the bottom like he and I are both in the bottom three in cap availability for mm-hmm. the upcoming season. I do want to put a bow on this though. Like just mentioning, let's just, I just want to list like it looks like what his starting lineup was in the final week, because he kind of had some breaks and some things go right as well as having some star players. That carry. So Justin Herbert was his quarterback. Najee Harris was one running back. He had, um, I think Gibson was out at that point. So he started John Williams who, I don't recall what Jonathan Williams, I don't think he did much. I think it was really Jared Patterson's in that week. That was a massive um, mistake to play him. I should have played Chuba Yeah, then, then in the two wide receiver spots, um, I think you benefited from this in week 16, but I don't think he did much in 17 because maybe he got hurt was Isaiah McKenzie, who was an amazing play. And if you started him in week 16, um, I, I was desperate and had to in an experts league. Cooper Cup, who, you know, all world season, who, you know, that's a, that, well, that looks like what your big off season decision. He's, he's off the books there. Um, obviously, what what is season Cooper Cup had um, off by the MVP of the Super Bowl last week? Dalton Schultz, who had a top five tight end season, so that I'm guessing you had him on a, a one year, so that was a great get. Keenan Allen, who I think you mentioned you traded for in the season, we can briefly talk about that or, or not. Um, Byron Pringle, so we start three in this league: Keenan Allen, Byron Pringle, and Nico Collins. So you know, top to bottom, someone could look at that roster and be like, "Me, you know, <laughs> is that championship worthy?" But like, he has some. They, you had some big, big week out of some folks there, including like, you know, when you combine the Keenan Allen Herbert stack basically with, uh, with how good Cooper Cup was this season, and then Najee taking over the top. That that was that was lineup that won with a lot of injuries, frankly. Like a, a lot of, you know, by then Connor was out, so you couldn't use him. So you know, you lost Henry Ruggs during the season of that contract. So like, I mean, I. You didn't just sit sit and rest on your laurels this season for sure. So kudos on winning a championship where you know going from worst to first and and still dealing with a lot of injuries and and pivot points. 
yeah, quickly on, on the Keenan Allen trade. I think I made that right around. I remember I was four and four at one point, but my points four were pretty high. So I thought, okay, this is a good team. I, I can win with this team. I just got, I need an extra spark. So I uh, looked at the, the teams that were kind of rebuilding and uh, the trade that ended up getting made was I set my first in 2022, which thankfully is the 112, uh, as well as Devin Singletary and Ramondre Stevenson. So again, maybe, maybe I, I maybe missed that RB depth in week 17, but again, I got through it and it was okay. Uh, but I got Keenan Allen and a third again, I'm kind of accumulating those extra thirds, right? So anytime I make that trade, just give me that, that extra third, that extra rookie contract to help my salary cap, especially in this year where I really could, you know, need to make moves to kind of save more. So it was, I, I specifically went after Allen knowing that, uh, the stack. I, I looked through the bottom four teams at the time and who's the one player I want out of these four teams. I'm going to go after them first and then kind of prioritize it that way. And I think the Devin Singletary thing was simply to make the cap space work. I didn't have enough cap space to just take on uh, Allen's salary. So they were pretty close and it made it even. And I thought, okay, I think I initially offered a first third for, you know, sing or first and Singletary Allen third. They, they counter with Stevenson. I, I was, I wanted Allen enough that I made it happen. Maybe a bit of an overpay, but uh, back to Dalton Schultz real quick. I think, I, I think about my previous episode appearance, I talked about this, but I love, especially learned this after year one where Zach Ertz experiment didn't really work in 2020 going for the minimum contracts on tight ends. I'm probably, I'm going to have to do that again this year. And I, I did it specifically because I knew I wanted to save as much money on Gibson as possible. So what I do is every time I'm nominating, I'm nominating a tight end and then, you know, most of them get bid up and I'm just waiting until the one that doesn't get bid up. And this year it was Austin Hooper, but the, the, the idea is I'm, I have not really invested in this tight end. I have no problem cutting them after week one, if someone else becomes available. And I noticed Dalton Schultz was getting the targets week one with Dallas and Michael Gallup got hurt. So I thought, you know, this is a perfect time picked up Dalton Schultz and he was my tight end the rest of the way. So I think that's, that's a tight end strategy. I love to employ in, in contract and salary leagues, especially. So. Awesome, man. Well, it was just, I, I'm happy to hear that those breaks all happened for you again, last season. And this is where I, I would characterize it. Not as luck. Cause you said in, in week four, too many owners too quickly in RSO bail in the season. I would say I did so in writer's league really quickly. Cause I was like, I don't know that I have the horses. I don't. And and the problem with doing that, right, is you deny yourself the, the puncher's chance later in the season. And in the season like last year, we saw it play out. Like my, my best teams, some of the best teams I've ever fielded, were all getting beaten before the semis on just flukish performances. And it, it's a little heartbreaking, but it's also I give credit to those owners for not backing down and just trying to, to, to accrue picks. Like we're in this thing to win it. We're not collecting baseball cards here, you know, so like it was good. It was good to do it now. Uh, Let's go, let's go lightning round here for both you gentlemen. Um, as we, as I alluded to before, a lot of GMs are sitting here in the off season. This is a fun time to assess your roster. You and I both are, are have minimal cap space. There are some pretty great wide receivers available at auction. Everybody from Devonte Adams to the aforementioned Cooper cup to Robert Woods. There's kind of like pick your, pick your flavor. Like there's way more wide receiver talent than is usually available Running backs are limited to like the Aaron Joneses, Cordero Patterson's of the world. Um, so I'll start by uh, being revelatory to you, Kyle. I'm sitting at my roster with about uh, 35 million in true cap space after I take away my um, after I take away my rookie picks, and I have the only option I, or the only decision I have to make is whether or not to franchise Darren Waller. I have Irv Smith on one of those uh, those tasty long term real real low tight end contracts that, that you and I both like, but I, I don't really have roster spots to fill. I really, and so I'm like, 
if I franchise Waller, that basically takes me out of the running for any meaningful age free agent. And I just have to like play with it. So for both you guys, that's, that's what I'm looking at. I'm leaning away from franchising Waller. Do I, any of you, so that's my disclosure. I'm like not really feeling him at 18 million taking up over half my cap, but tell me, would you guys do that at this point? Would you lean away from franchising him knowing the potential advantage that he gives you at that position? I guess it's all about the risk on, do you think he's going to go for more or less in the auction? If you don't franchise tag him, could you end up getting him anyway, but for cheaper and maybe on longer term as well and not just having the one year. I think that maybe is the the temptation I would feel like if I were you, I, I'm feeling it right now with Cooper cup and maybe that's, that's a stronger temptation because he's coming off an amazing yeah, season yeah. where, you know, I, what the, what's the tag for, I guess the fact that I have the Michael Thomas contract almost hurts me now because it does raise that that franchise tag a little bit. It's, it, I think it, it's somewhere in the mid twenties, I believe, twenty six, yeah, twenty seven million. Twenty nine for wide receivers. That's uh, I th- I'm, I guess now if if the cap does go up to what they're projected two hundred eight million. Mm-hmm. I think I might technically have enough, but that would be basically it, right? So I've got to, again, maybe prioritizing trying to move Michael Thomas. That gives me the flexibility to either tag. Maybe the tag and trade is the way to go about it. But just, you know, on, on the amazing season Cooper Cup had, you know, do I trade it away for, for value? Uh, maybe do I get back into the first round? So I don't know. There, there's definitely decisions to make. I think I could definitely go, uh, the you know, Thomas and Cup for sure, I think are the, the two priorities. And I mean, I've got these big running back contracts in McCaffrey and Gibson. Maybe someone wants them. I don't know. That's uh, I know we, I think we're getting, I think we're going to get a new manager in, in this league. So maybe uh, that type of, uh, you know, new blood in the league, if someone wants to take on one of those contracts, those players, who knows? So definitely a lot of questions to answer going into the offseason. Yeah. New blood with the biggest stack at auction too. So I think mm-hmm. you're right. I think that is, um, that's excellent. And yeah, uh, Goody, any, any final thoughts on you or first thoughts for a new year? Also look, Kyle English on point. I really encourage our listeners to go check out that history. It's pretty cool. It tells you how much you spend point, uh, like, salary per point that you spend salary per victory that you spend there's some pretty cool breakdowns there um to check out uh that's been my favorite feature to play with this offseason also the the cap is already anticipated in on site which is pretty rare like so it's already looking you're already when you are making your decisions you're already looking at the 208 um and that's really helpful uh what do you think goody what's up um, yeah, no, I think you guys, you guys hit on everything. You certainly have a, a call to make on Waller. I mean, I think if he finished the season not injured in a different light, maybe that would be different. But with new coaching staff, like who, who knows how they value him? So that that's 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 a, that's a tough call. And I know you like having money heading in t- into the auction. So I, I think that's important. You mentioned the two hundred eight. I, I think that. You know, we're, we're running out of time, so we'll talk off-season storylines, I think, coming up. Kyle, I'm sure we'll hear it on, you know, Full Press Fantasy and, and Full Press Fan- Packers um, podcast because I think the Packers kind of set the dominoes that ha- will happen in the off-season and, you know, as early as I think next week with the franchise tag decision on on Devontae Adams, which kind of goes part and parcel with, you know, their, the quarterback that we love to discuss. So, um, I, I think that's about it. I think this took us through a pretty nice journey of a lot of, a lot of key decisions and, and where you have in the future. And I know you won't just sit on your hands. You'll certainly try to, to, to win, win and go back to back, which is pretty, pretty hard and rare in RSO. So um, my dog making an appearance on the podcast for the first time, um, just kind of needy this morning. So, um, but I, I, my parting words, I guess um, off season, 
Um, we have promo code for you. Um, the most favored nations promo code. If you haven't like look Google that concept, if you, if you want to learn something interesting in, in like industry and corporate America, but basically we have an 18% promo code, which is we get an extra percent for Luke and I. Um, if you use if you use the code gritty, like Justin, our, one of our favorite receivers, Justin Jefferson's um, end zone celebration, G R I D D Y. You can get 18% off. I think that's good for um, I think till the beginning of March. So if you have it, you know, if you if you didn't take didn't pay for the um, tableside guacamole, it, it comes free with your entree by listening to this podcast. And we thank you for your support. And Kyle, as always, great to talk to you. So I'll I'll turn it back over to you guys. Sounds good. Kyle, tell our listeners where to go looking for you so they can find you on your other podcasts and We'll be hearing more from you in our back and forth. I'm sure our trades will be referenced as one of, as you said, you're a good league mate. You and I tend to trade more than most. So we've had a couple swaps over the time. Now, now I'm intrigued about sending you my full boat of picks for uh, Cooper cup already. Like you're already, you're already dangling like big fish there. So, um, so yeah, tell me, tell our listeners where we can go looking for you. Yeah. So uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Senra says, and uh, yeah, just really appreciate uh, this podcast in general. I mean, I've been on Reality Sports Online playing league since 2015. So I think part of that, Luke, is, you know, it, there's, you know, I think a lot of the people in the industry, this is their first two seasons in RSO. So you and I may be more accustomed to trading on the format, knowing how to, at like, what, what it takes to get deals done, how we like to have deals done. And, and so maybe that, that bit of experience kind of helps there in terms of just being like having the vision to see how to get the deal done more than anything. So hope, but I, I have noticed uh, last year during the rookie draft, a lot of activity trading wise. So maybe that the league is over the last two years, uh, more comfortable with the format. So maybe this will be a, the heaviest trading season yet here in 2022, especially with more cap space probably should help the, the flexibility. Yeah, for sure. And for all of you, I look forward to, to, to a new season with much greater cap. We, we didn't speak of it enough. That's going to be awesome for Reality Sports Online format in particular. Goody, you're right. Gritty. Gritty is our uh, code. Everybody listen, put that code in, get there. Yeah, you guys put him in bubble wrap. I've cheered for too many men that I can't cheer for anymore. Just let, let Justin Jefferson be the good one. Uh, so you guys, we are off and running. Kyle, thank you so much for coming. Goody, good to see you back in action. It is a brand new season of All About Reality with episode one of season five, and we will catch you all soon.